Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained. No, Larry is not sick or dead. I am just closing out on our GDC 2019 interviews, this time with developer Joel Hackalax from Storm in a Teacup, talking about their game, Close to the Sun. This is a shorter than normal episode because we don't have another GDC 2019 interview to couple this with. So appropriately, we are closing out around 40 minutes we apologize but things will go back to normal starting next week before i go into this episode i just want to remind everyone that we're about a month away from the first game dev unchained expo the gdux.me gdux.me this is a free three-day event featuring 18 plus speakers talking openly about the problems and solutions that are going on with our industry. So be sure to head over there at gdux.me to register, remind yourself, and not miss this very epic event. To make sure that we don't interrupt this episode since it's so short, I want to mention that this episode is sponsored and made possible by Quixel.com. They are the makers of Scans the number one resource for photogrammetry assets and textures. If you're in a studio, if you are part of a bigger studio, you want to utilize this tool to its max to achieve the best results in a quarter of the time. Be sure to do yourself a solid and use our code GDU10 to get the first year 30% off. Again, that's GDU10, first year 30% off. All right, let's get into this week's episode. All right, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, why don't we start with introducing yourself to our listeners and viewers out there? Sure, I'm Joel Halkadax. I'm a game designer for Storm of the Teacup. So we just uh, are here to announce Close to the Sun. You guys know us, Larry and Brandon. What's up, guys? Uh, so this game, how would you describe it? What's your uh, little elevator pitch? Uh, the elevator pitch is alternative history with Nikola Tesla uh, horror adventure. That's pretty much it. All right, so I definitely get a Bioshock kind of feel already, and I'm excited about that. So, made in Unreal? Yeah. Okay, cool. Shout out to all the epic crew and everyone working on this game. Uh-huh. All right, so here we go. So, uh, one of the biggest things this year was the epic store. Yeah. So, how early did you guys get kind of tapped on the shoulder to, to uh, <laughs> is that NDA safe for me up there? Not really. Okay. I mean, we, we've been uh, working uh, with the Unreal Engine for for a good number of years and uh, we got de- um, awarded a developer grant early on in, in the project of, of this uh, this game so uh, our collaboration with Epic has been pretty strong right from the get-go 
So uh, getting onto the Epic Store was just kind of a natural uh, follow-up on, on the, the development of the game itself. Mm-hmm. So, nice. So uh, with that early communication, that definitely helped with the transition into getting the store. Mm-hmm. Um, how much did that change your plans? Obviously, the first round for a lot of PC game developers is Steam. Mm-hmm. So the the biggest talk has been like this new innovative way or just another route to market your game. Uh, how has it changed your thinking? Uh, it definitely helps. I mean, uh, part of uh, the problem with the, the Steam store is simply discoverability. And Steam is doing what they can to help address that issue. But the number of games that are being published on the Steam uh, market is, is just enormous. So going on the Epic Marketplace helps considerably with visibility and, and just uh, showing uh, the project that you've been working on for, for so long. So uh, that is definitely one of the major highlights of getting onto the Epic Store this early. Uh, it really helps uh, getting your game kind of discovered. How far in development are you guys? How long has this been uh, in the works? Um, I think we are a bit over two years now. Just, wow. just over. Yeah. And how big is the team? Well, that depends on when you count. Uh, <laughs> how many start counting? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, we're 10, 15, uh, depending on when you take that measurement. So are you guys, uh, you guys have previous games for this, or is this the first big game? Uh, well, it's by far the biggest one we've been working on. Oh, yeah. oh, for sure. No, it's by far the biggest title we've been working on uh, so far. We've released a game called Nero uh, to uh, Xbox 360, or was it Xbox One? I forget. Um, and and uh, the PlayStation and, and the PC. Uh, then we did two smaller projects in between, one called but now this is by far the, the largest effort that our small indie studio uh, has been uh, produced. Oh, when did you start joining the studio? Was it this project or the project before? No, I, I've been there from day one. Oh, uh, yeah. So, oh gee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so was this a group of friends that started together? Or was it like a legit company and then you guys started to really pile onto it? What, what was the beginning of this? Uh, the beginning of this was uh, a lot of brainstorming. Uh, Carlo, my boss in, in Italy, uh, he's a big fan of horror games. Uh, so uh, he wanted to do something along those lines. Um, and in our early brainstorming sessions, uh, we wanted to do something that was isolated from civilization. So a ship uh, came in mind and we wanted to do something uh, a little bit back in time. So uh, Nikola Tesla came up and then stuff just started snowballing from there. Uh, Nikola Tesla as a historical uh, character is so rich. So we've been able to pull at various strings on on Nikola Tesla's life and legacy and just interesting things keep falling out. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, he makes great cars too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, with this game being made, you guys are two years in the making. When can people expect this to be out? Really soon. In, we, we should have an announcement with a set date okay. uh, within a week or two. Okay. 
but uh, it's it's now just localization polishing making sure that everything is as tight as we know how to make it yeah i was just going to ask you how much more you guys have left to do so yeah you're also no, a mind reader it, yeah, <laughs> yeah part of the job yeah. <laughs> no but i mean uh, there's precious little time left so as soon as we're done here at gdc i'll be heading back to rome and uh, polishing up all those final little bits that we still have the possibility to to touch uh is it too early to ask close to the sun how this game got its name or will that spoil something about the gameplay experience well uh, i can be really vague about it sure uh, if you don't want to spoil no, give us that non-spoiler answer no of course i mean close to the sun it it plays back to the uh, greek myth of uh, Icarus. The Icarus and uh, Daedalus and, and uh, flying uh, a bit too close to the sun, mm-hmm. just uh, taking knowledge and, and science and pushing it just a little bit too far. In in Icarus' case, his uh, wings melted mm-hmm. and, and he fell to the sea. In Nikola Tesla's case, it's a different form of scientific obsession that perhaps brings him a bit too far down unforeseen paths. There you have it. One of the uh, discussion points that we always come across within our podcast Hmm. regarding the single-player narrative games, right? So the big companies don't do it anymore. They're always going to multiplayer. It's up to the smaller teams to kind of push that genre forward. Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) I mean, because what what I'm seeing is my shot right here, man. This is amazing. This is what, like, a 70-plus, 100-plus people dollars. And this is made with 15 people. That's amazing. I, I wish we had that kind of manpower and that kind of time I mean, we we get we hear the Bioshock reference quite a lot, and we take that as a compliment that we've done our artistic job well. Uh, it's it's not necessarily a title that we've looked at in terms of gameplay and, and in terms of something that we would want to uh, strive to to be similar to. Uh, it's just um, a result of, of the era uh, that we have the the art style. Art Deco. Um, is that one of your developers? Yes, it is. <laughs> I had a feeling. I was like, this feels like an Easter egg. Let me just yeah. verify. No, that's uh, that's Fabio Soriano, one of our graphics programmers. And uh, part of the joy of being in a small indie team mm-hmm. is Easter eggs mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And every member of the development team has a poster of themselves Somewhere. in some fashion, in one way or another. Uh, so if you're a giant AAA team, you can't do that with every face. Yeah. That, that would just not make sense. That and there's uh, legal application. <laughs> I tried to do a little shout out to my fraternity little brother yeah. in a game I was working on, and then I had to go have a meeting about why I can't yeah. do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I mean that, that's the, the joy of still being small and indie. Yeah. You have these possibilities that you might not have as a AAA, but it's always this trade-off because there's so much that we w- wish that we had the muscle power to do just the, the development raw power to execute on but uh, we've, we've had to kind of limit the scope a bit one of the the 
one of the exciting points that we always like to talk about with these type of games is, you know, the age of streaming, right? Uh, some see it as a danger, some embrace it fully. Has that been a discussion point within the team of how exactly you kind of leverage the streaming community out there to get your game out without sacrificing the whole game being played? Right. Or does it matter? Um, we, we reason very similar to what Firewatch did. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a three-hour experience, purely narratively driven, and you can stream that thing uh, from, from beginning to end in, in uh, an afternoon, no problem. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, to, to experience the game via streaming and to experience it with controller in hand are two separate things. Uh, we don't necessarily see it as a problem. It's the modern market. But uh, as you also referenced earlier, uh, the AAA uh, development studios don't tend to do narrative-focused games anymore. So that opens up the possibility for us to kind of chase that, that market share. Yeah. If if the trade-off then is streaming become, becoming an issue of spoiling stuff, then that's a hit that we will gladly take. Mm-hmm. Because at, at the end of the day, it's just simply showing interest in, in uh, the title and, and the, uh, the creation that you've made. So we, we see it as a whole as a positive thing. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned like the Unreal thing being a partnership and uh, being able to, you know, uh, subside the 5% royalty, right? it's overall 12%. Yeah. So um, how is that really, is there a lot of back and forth every every month with them? Like how, how closely are they working with you guys to get your game out there and marketed and all that? Uh, I mean, from a business perspective, very closely, especially in comparison to, to Steam, who basically just puts up their platform and says go go to it uh, their platform Steam of course is so strong and so well tested that you have everything that you kind of require already but in terms of cooperation uh, it, Steam it doesn't have to so they don't do it. Uh, Epic, on the other hand, is still pushing their new store, so our cooperation with them is much stronger than uh, Steam. Um, but I mean, in terms of numbers and, and so on, uh, that's something that's beyond my pay grade. Uh, uh, I haven't taken part in those discussions, but I mean, just looking at the percentages that the Epic Store and, and the Epic um, uh, Engine offers. Uh, that's obviously very beneficial for us smaller developers trying to kind of push and, and uh, punch above our weight class. Mm-hmm. So that helps enormously. Thanks, man. We'll take it for a second. Well, I really appreciate what I got to play here. Uh, yeah. Behind the scenes, closed door demo. So thanks for giving us the time to do that. But I, as a designer, uh, I love experiences like these because just like you said in the segue of we're punching above our weight class, I think that's what the game industry needs a little more of right now is right. you have people who are talented who are like, look, if you take this screenshot for screenshot, you can't tell the difference between what we've been able to create versus what this entire company with publishing, with marketing has been able to create. Just screenshot sure. for screenshot. So we're saying we can give you 
you an experience very similar to what you're expecting on a AAA level. Anytime I see a game that proves that or reminds me of that, I get excited because I feel like I don't want to see ingenuity and I don't want to see creativity die because they need to make a sequel and then a sequel, sequel, and sure. then a DLC, 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 and then a sequel. Yeah, like, make it cosmetic friendly. Exactly. Yeah. So the experience that I had thus far is really engaging. Um, definitely nailed it with the art style and the pacing, the way that I'm moving through everything, and I'm yeah. trying to just, you guys aren't even talking to me, and I couldn't even hear the game all that well, but I'm still just figuring things out, and my intuition was leading myself through the gameplay experience, and being that you designed it, I'm assuming you anticipated the same thoughts that I had, because I wasn't yet wrong. Right. You know, like, I was like, I made a choice, and that ended up being the next thing that I was supposed to do. So, definitely want to give you kudos for what I was able to play so far, and it's been really good. Thank you, thank you, and I, I hope we get to show you more yeah. uh, in in, uh, uh, in this uh, press tour here at GDC. We're showing off this initial level that you played, okay. uh, uh, second level level that follows that one, okay. and then a piece from, from the middle. Okay, uh, gotcha. So, so um, if we're going to use this opportunity to kind of promote the game a little bit, what kind of things can I look forward to gameplay-wise uh, past what I've seen here without ruining anything or spoiling anything, like no, sure. big action sequences or maybe like really cool puzzles or is there going to be some really engaging, heartfelt dialogue between myself and Rose? Right. And I think I was Rose. You're Rose. Yeah. Yeah, the person I was trying to connect exactly with. your sister my sister uh, so basically all of the above okay uh, I mean uh, we have one specific section that we refer to as, as the make Michael Bay section yeah. so that that's the very actiony and mm-hmm. explosive e uh, but uh, we've modeled the game more along the lines of Outlast, where you have chase sequences. Uh, we don't do so much the um, uh, hide and seek elements of that. So we basically try to put you on a roller coaster where we present you with the world that we've developed. Uh, we present you with bits and pieces of narrative-focused uh, experiences. And then we kind of up the tension a bit with some horror, uh, a bit scary bits and pieces. And then we fire it off with chase sequences where you either run or you die. Okay. So that's basically... Tough the, choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's basically yeah, yeah. the game play loop that we put you through. Uh, but... Uh, it's been super fun to work on, especially just trolling your uh, co-workers with various scare moments here and there. And you said a key thing that I, I kind of want to highlight. You said, like, the Michael Bay section, right? Sure. When you say that, to me, I laugh a little bit inside because I'm like, oh, man, totally. Like, you get some great footage to sell the commercial. And, like, and then in the gameplay, you're like, look, you know, we're not stupid. We're, we're a team. We're working really hard on this game. We got 15 people, depending on when you ask, we're working on this. We're giving you a complete experience. But we also have this chunk that's like super high action, fast pace, exactly. great for screenshots, great for marketing your game, great product promotion. Yeah. Totally not a bait and switch, but I'm just saying that like um, I like that I like that thinking. I like that thinking. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean in an indie team, you have to exactly. really make exactly. every resource count. So you you have to be really economical in your thinking. But I mean, we have uh, some puzzle elements, some exploration elements, some collecting elements. Uh, 
so hopefully it will be an engaging experience from start to finish. We're not leaning into the horror as much as Outlast or Soma or uh, Layers of Fear. Uh, we're using horror more as a way to keep the tension, to keep you engaged, to pe- keep you on your toes. But uh, aside from that, we're uh, really focusing on the narrative and trying to just funnel you through this adventure that we created. And this is a question I love asking creators of the things that they've made. How well do you feel like you've achieved your goal as far as what you set forth to do when you're in the design documentation prototype stage to what you guys have been able to execute on and achieve based on being ready to release this game in a couple months? Well, we got close. Uh, I mean, I'm super proud with what we achieved, and it's definitely the best work that we've done as a studio so far. Uh, Being a designer, uh, there's still obviously things that have to be cut due to, you know, time constraints. Uh, Reality is always that wall that you have to kind of either break or or, uh, stop short of. So uh, we've definitely uh, gotten closer to the dream than at any other point in in our development history. Uh, That said, of course, I I already know stuff that we can make so much better for following projects. It's a a continuously, uh, a continuous learning experience. So uh, as excited as I am over this project, I am even more excited over all the lessons that we got to take away from it because uh, game development is hard. So from headlines in the news, the next step for you guys is fire the whole team, right? And then sure. start like... The more successful. Right? Is that, or no, wait, you said you've learned and you're going to be excited about carrying that forward. Well, yeah. Who does that? Indie studios hey, still do that. It's totally a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, intention there. Here we go. So I have a question um, on the business side of things. So when you guys were brainstorming this, you had an idea that you were really excited about. Uh did you guys look at the route of self-funding at all or was publisher was always in mind because that has always been not really uh, no, exclusive right? sure I mean we set off in, in the beginning to self-publish and we had the financial means to go from start to finish uh, to self-publish uh, then along the way uh, we struck enough I want to give you money <laughs> yeah well, I mean we, we struck up enough conversations and some of these conversations really developed into something tangible, something that you could see would benefit not only the product, but the company uh, at large for, for a longer period of time. So Wired Productions came in and uh, not only uh, made sure that we had some extra couple of months of development for Polish and, and so on, but is handling much of the marketing and, and visibility of the product in a way that we as a small indie studio couldn't. Uh, we are primarily game developers, not marketing uh, wizards. So their help is, is uh, very, very fruitful for this project. Uh, and thanks in part to them, uh, that's how we landed.
branded with Epic and, and uh, the Epic storefronts. What about this type of game? Were you most excited to be able to contribute towards when you're first coming up with the idea and first kind of putting the pieces of this experience together? Was there any one part where you're like, oh man, I can't wait to get my hands on this because I'm just going to go crazy with it? Uh, well, that would probably be Nikola Tesla as a historical okay. per- person. Uh, that uh, just added a layer of historical authenticity and also the potential to take every idea up to 11. Since we're doing alternative history and, and so on, we're, we're doing this steampunky uh, uh, Nikola Tesla bit where some of his inventions uh, worked much better than what they did in real life. And we can toy around with some uh, sci-fi concepts that he had, such as the death ray, such as uh, providing uh, free wireless free electricity, electricity yeah. to the entire globe. Uh, so these are avenues that we've been able to explore and, and really take to, to uh, their fruition. Uh, yeah. So in our alternate history world, Nikola Tesla has created this company called Wardenclyffe, which is providing wireless electricity to half of the globe. And the other half is provided by Edison, because that rivalry between Nikola Tesla and uh, Edison is still alive and well. Yeah. So th- there's just been so much fun uh, kind of pulling at the strings and seeing what falls out. Uh, so that, that's probably been the most uh, rewarding and exciting bits uh, when it comes to this project. We're in the middle of an earthquake here. <laughs> Man, so actually I do want to comment on that because what's awesome is I call games like Uncharted where you have this I understand a little bit about this fictional person or or this I don't want to say fictional person but they take pieces of history or they take pieces of treasure hunting and then they make them fantastic like they they elaborate more and they they embellish what it really was but it's so much fun to do in a video game right so like I'm actually excited to see your guys take on what's happening between Tesla Edison and like specifically how far you go with like changing the history of what Nikolai Tesla does inside of this video game world yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it too early to say that you have ideas that you're excited about executing on a sequel, or is that going to happen for you guys? Do you know? Right now, we're totally swamped with this one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, uh, of course, we have aspirations and, and uh, dreams. But whether we execute on those is still way too early yeah. to to say. Uh, that was worth a shot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Closer to the sign. That was my secret way of asking: Do I die at the end or not? <laughs> I mean, uh, you might survive, but not necessarily everyone aboard this giant oh, ship has survived. So you got to buy the game to find out, right? Uh, or, or watch the trailers that are coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, show a bit more of the world and and. Uh, uh, narrative bits that we we, uh, establish early on in the game. And to rehash one question one more time, but from the audience perspective, what is one thing about this game coming out that you think the audience should just be super excited about? Like, if there was one key feature that you wanted to promote for, like, 30 seconds, like, hey, guys, look, the story, the the engagement, the pacing, or just the art direction, or, like, what would you say is probably 
Even if you're biased because you know designer, designer, you know, don't yeah. hurt Brandon's feelings. It's well, okay. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm gonna go down the bias route. Uh, there's a system that we have called sensitive triggers, which for me as a designer has been key. We're doing a first-person horror adventure game, uh, but uh, if I as a designer would take control of the camera, take control over your movement, you would lose a little bit of your engagement. You would lose a little bit of your attachment to Rose as a character aboard this giant ship. So we have a system called Sensitive Triggers, which keeps track of where you're looking, what you're looking at, and for how long uh, did you see that piece of information earlier, or did you miss it? So based on all of the information that we collect on what you as a player are observing in the environment, we fire off certain uh, events. So that's been super helpful in terms of making a first-person game feel more cinematic. Uh, that's a system that me as a designer get a lot of kicks out of. Uh, but I think, uh, hopefully, from a player perspective, it will be seamless. You won't even notice that it's there, but it's doing its magic under the hood to make sure that you as a player uh, get the, the custom experience that we want you to have in those moments. So, yeah. To be invisible. Yeah, right? exactly. No, and uh, to, to be able to... Uh, make sure that even a player who is uh, moving through the world faster than what a different player would be, that even those faster players get certain content and get to, to experience uh, a game tailored to their particular way of playing the game. So that's been super fun. Uh, well, personal question for you. What types of games do you enjoy yourself and have any of them kind of led to anything that went into this game? Um, well, my my taste of games go that they span very broad. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm playing a lot of Civilization at okay. the moment, which has nothing to do with the project that I'm working on. But it's also you know very refreshing to to be able to get away from from. The, the stuff that you're so deeply invested in. Um, but I mean, there's no doubt that I'm a fan of narratively driven uh, games such as Firewatch, Outlast. Uh, I mean, I thought Titanfall was fantastic. Second one? Yeah, the second one yeah. with the single player experience. Yeah. That was great. They don't get enough uh, credit, man. No, exactly. Yeah. And obviously, Bioshock and. and uh, I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on. But I mean, uh, those are the games that uh, I really enjoy. Awesome. Cool, man. Uh, one last question. So you mentioned you guys are mostly based in Italy. Are you yeah. guys all there? Is it some remote? Like, how, how does that work out with you guys? Um, well, we are very much an international studio. I'm from Sweden, for awesome. example, but I live and work in Rome. Uh, we. Uh, have a uh, outsourced music from I think Australia. Mm-hmm. We have. Uh, Does didgeridoo in the game? Yeah, they, no, I'm just kidding. But if, I mean, if really in in the main menu, you have a, a, a song called "Close to the Sun," okay. which was custom made for this project, nice. uh, which was was really fun to to be a part of. Um, 
and then we have uh, the team at Wire Productions in England. Uh, we have friends in Germany that helped with mocap and, and so on for animations. Uh, so it's it's an international effort, uh, but it's the part of modern game development to some degree. Yes. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for showing the behind the scenes. I feel special now that yeah. I got to play it, you know? <laughs> but really appreciate you doing this with yeah. us. Yeah, it's shaking hand. My pleasure. Great stuff. Great stuff. Thank you. Until next time. Cheers. So thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope that you're a subscriber, but if you aren't, please feel free to follow us on any of the major podcast platforms, especially iTunes or Spotify. You can find show notes and more resources available to help you become a successful game developer. Just go on over to our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. If you're interested in keeping the conversation going, then definitely come check us out in Discord where we chat in real time for After Show Tuesdays to discuss episodes and Feedback Fridays where we share screenshots on the projects that we're currently working on. If you go over to Patreon.com, you can support our podcast financially. And if you do so, you get access to Life Unchained, our on-the-pulse, unfiltered game dev gossip content that we make exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And as usual, you can keep in touch and follow our happenings on Facebook and Twitter. That's Game Dev Unchained, the podcast.